Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We're doing the word of the day to give away a keg and a kegerator. From Fred's Appliance and Great Burn Brewing, you text into the phone number 200-8184, area code 406-200-8184, a keg and a kegerator. How great is that? Those are the two best things you could possibly win from us. That's what we're here to do. The word of the day today, text it in, Game 7. World Series Game 7 tonight. Game 7, the word of the day, to 200-8184. We go now to the Raggage Brothers RV hotline, and we welcome in well, one of our best buds from around the world. It is Bruce Barnum, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team. Portland State, of course, hosting the University of Montana this weekend over there in Portland, in Hillsborough. Coach, great to have you on again. Thanks so much for being with us. How you doing? Good. What's going on over there? Well, you know, we're just living our best life, 10 degrees and sunshine, like always in uh, in western Montana. And, uh, Bruce, we got to start with this. Uh, we didn't know if maybe you, you know, Bobby Houck called you a liar earlier this week because he had not received his Dots pretzels and then tweeted out the picture of the big box. So you, a man of your words, said over the Dots pretzels, and he was very happy to share those with everybody involved, it seemed like. Beautiful. I'd like to start with, uh, you know, Bobby Howe questioning my word. I might have to punch him in the neck next time I see him. Well, that's going to be Saturday, isn't it? I mean, that's <laughs> well, yeah, but he's going to have all those state troopers around him, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know? 
I got one CIA guy, and he's up at the beer stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, uh, you guys, uh, your team came in. You won uh, an outstanding game, played really well in a game that uh, that culminated in a game-winning field goal for you in Missoula last year and kind of sent Montana a little bit of a tailspin. They lost three in a row from that point on, and your season really kind of got kick-started out of that win. When you look at this matchup this year, how much can you take away from the win last season going into Saturday? A bag of pretzels. That's about it. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, different venue, number one, which, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, I love playing in Washington Grizz. Probably my favorite place I've coached, but um, I don't mind getting that check mark and I'm coming over here to my stadium. It's about as far away as Washington Grid as you're going to get on game day. Um, but uh, it, it's a matchup, you know. I see it, honestly, I see it as a watching the film and that. Depending on what quarterback they have. You know, Humphrey's a different game than uh, the mighty Sneed. So um, I can see it possibly as being a, a muddy fans don't enjoy unless you're a true, you know, grit guy, defensive battle. You know, I tried to run the ball against him last year umpteen times, and I think I had one run for over 20 yards, and that's not our world, you know. Um, so, uh, realistically, last year, you know, getting out of there, uh, with our we had turnovers. They had obviously gave traded us back, uh, but it was tough moving the ball out there. That was a muddy-ass game. You, you talk. You, you mentioned it right there about how you know this could be two different ball games depending on who's playing quarterback. What is the difference? I mean, we, you can obviously talk about starter backup, but what is the difference on the field from what you've seen from Dalton Snead over a year and a half and now one game sample from, from Cam Humphrey? Well, you know, Rosie, they're doing it right. They have, they're taking the talents of whoever the guy is you know, and changing their game, they they change. You know, last week they rolled Eastern Washington up, and the mighty Aaron, read my articles, best in the run game, you know, with 13 personnel. And, you know, Humphrey was more of a, he's a general, you know. He's a general. He's at the front of the line. He's got four stars on his deal. He's got the cap, and he's saluting the flag. Then you send in Dalton Steen, he's a marvel comic Spider-Man. I mean, he's all over the place jumping, doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. You're like, yeah, that's not, that's not real. <laughs> you know? So it's two different game plans. Right. You mentioned the difference in venue, Barney, and I know that you've talked about just having to embrace the situation you guys have playing at Hillsborough Stadium, and it seems like you guys actually relish the opportunity to play there and you're undefeated at home, so how do you cultivate that mindset in your team? Um, I have to. I don't have, I don't, I don't have an option. Uh, Coulter, we, I'm not going to complain. I can't if I complain about stuff around here, uh, Coulter. I, I, I'd go crazy. So we know the issue. We make the best of it. In fact, I just heard one of my people came in and uh, said they painted a, a big old thing. I don't even know what it is in the middle of the field. I'm hoping they, it, it's a Viking shield, not a you know bear or some maroon deal. Um, uh, so they're they're sprucing it up for us, but it, you'll see it. It needs some work, you know. You mentioned the fact that the venue's different and almost everything about the game is different. How does Montana look different to you as you prepare for them? Well, the defense is the same. I mean, it's there's different pieces. Some are gone. Some have replaced. You know, the ones that are back, we saw most of them last year. Uh, Kent Bear is the same. He's going to have run. But Kent, the D coordinator, blitzes 
uh, like like the old days. You know what I mean? He's not afraid to do it. He has the people to do it. He's. He, I think his philosophy is we're going to hit your quarterback, and we don't have to cover very long. And it's not man. We're going to drop our ends. We're going to drop our nose. You know, or we're going to confuse your quarterback and make him throw hot, uh, and still be able to cover. It's a melee, you know, and every once in a while you're going to pop him. We're trying to come up with some things. Because last year the question was how are we going to protect, you know, when we ask our guy to throw, how are we going to protect? Because it was a constant blitz. So last year we did something, we're going to do something else this year, you know. So you have to prepare for that, and I have to be able to run the ball somehow. Uh, Then you flip over again, uh, you know, Everybody knows McGee. I like their back. Uh, they got dudes all, all over the field. It's just a question there, I think, of who's going to uh, be, you know, behind center because it is two different games for them right now. And on the other side, what's different about your team since the last time you guys played Montana? Oh, we're better. I like my team, Colter. We're, you know, we lost last week, which. You know, I got a coaching error. You know, I got to teach my guys that, you know, in the big sky, sometimes third and five really equals third and eight. You know, there's things that happen in that game that we have to correct. Uh, we made a couple mistakes in kind of about four plays in that game that if we don't do them, we win, you know. But I say that not as an excuse. As I saw a football team in the second half come out, you know, because we got swamped really. We got down 14 goose. You know, on a scoreboard, and we're like, you know, okay, what's happening? And I've, uh, I think the Portland State of old throws in the towel and asks, you know, when's the Popeye's chicken coming? Let's get on that bus and go back to Phoenix. And no way, <laughs> my team came together and said, "F these guys, let's go." And they fight. This team fights. I got some talent, you know. I hide holes like everybody. I still got a couple holes that will patch up, but I like my football team. Well, that's how we're different. We're we're better receiver. My quarterback's better. Uh, he's got a year under his belt. I'm better up front on the old line. I have more D linemen. Uh, defense is taking a hit uh, at defensive end and uh, a couple spots, but I'm getting a lot of those guys back for these last, you know, the last third of the season. So we're a better football team. Bruce Barnum joining us. He's the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. They're hosting the University of Montana on Saturday, 2 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And, uh, Coach, you said you like your team. 5-4, and 3-2 and two in the Big Sky Conference. And like, like you said, I mean, a two-point game in Nor- Northern Arizona could have gone either way last week. But now you kind of have an interesting run here at the end of the year with Montana, UC Davis, Eastern Washington. And uh, when you looked at the schedule, and now you've seen the way that this season has kind of developed, and UC Davis, Eastern Washington, a little bit susceptible. What do you think is out in front of you guys here for the last three weeks of this year as you, you make a run and see what you got in the tank. Well, uh, this this is the peak, you know. If you're looking at the schedule and you're climbing the mountain, uh, we're at the peak because I think Davis and Eastern, oh, obviously Eastern because Eastern has already gone head-to-head with Montana. Has Davis? They did. Yeah, they, they did. did. Yeah. They, they, they did. did. Yeah. They, I did watch that one. I'm sorry. I'm watching on team games. <laughs> trying to get a first down in the first half. you got to excuse my memory. <laughs> you know, I told Hauk yesterday, he's joking about pretzels or something. I said, damn it. And I said, leave me alone. I'm trying to get a first down <laughs> before the third quarter starts. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you, Bruce, for noting that we are on the FCC regulator. That was great, you know, that was great just, filter by you there. I just filtered six words. <laughs> 
I don't even remember your damn question. Was it? <laughs> uh, it was something absurd about the last three weeks of the season. Oh, well, Montana's the top. If we can somehow uh, keep this close in the fourth quarter, you know, and sneak one from the Grizz, you know, uh, the rest get easier. Yeah, uh, we got to get this. Is, this is the toughest game on our schedule besides Arkansas and Boise. I want to ask you about a couple guys on your offense. You mentioned Davis Alexander and his progression. What have you seen? How has he grown? Just looking at his stats, looks like he's more explosive, more productive, running the ball better, throwing the ball better, all the way around and an improved player. He is. You know, honestly, Colton, he, he was on a serious upswing, and he made one critical mistake last week that he's kicking himself for. He threw a right at the end of the half. We drove down to sneak some points, and he threw a pick in the end zone. That's honestly his only bad decision in the last probably four weeks. You know, and he's doing great things. Um, he's utilizing his talent. He's getting guys lined up. He's short, you know, but he has a big arm. You know, I, I, I compare him a little bit to, to their Sneed. You know what I mean? He's more of a, he's not as uh, as Gumby-ish as Sneed. Uh, he's more of a Captain America compared to a Spider-Man Sneed. You know, but he's he's fearless. He can run. If you get everything bottled up and, and you don't contain him, he's going to get the first down for us. He's just, and he's plugged into what I want. We're trying to stay in front of the chains and keep the mighty Grizz or the opposing offense off the field, you know, and he's doing a nice job of that. Last question for you then the mighty Grizz. You guys have gotten up for this game during your tenure every time, and you guys have beat them in Portland, you beat them in Missoula, now they're back in Portland at a new venue, place Bobby Houck's never been, the staff has never been to. What sort of energy, what sort of effort, what sort of enthusiasm do you hope your team brings to the matchup on Saturday? Oh, they're, I, I, you know, Coach, I haven't worried about that this year. Uh, I, I've got I've got sophomore captains. I mean, i got some leaders in that locker room that, you know, there, there was a cloud, for instance, uh, after that Sunday night meeting, um, after Northern Arizona, and they stood up and they said, you know, because I had some issues. I said, make sure Northern Arizona doesn't meet you twice, and you know, told them a bunch of coaching stuff, and they stood up to coach. They said, Barney, don't worry, we got this. There'll be no drop off, you know. So this is a big game, and so is next week, and everyone has been. It is a Grizz, but I, I try to keep them naive, guys. <laughs> I, I don't tell them all the stuff, you know. I don't tell them that I brought Brody there, uh, my oldest, when uh, the stit was was in the show. And we I remember getting in the car. Coulter, I think I told you this. We got in the car afterwards and we're leaving. You know, we went on an unofficial visit. And I said, you know, hey, Brody, what do you think? Because, shoot, shoot, both my kids want to go to Montana. How the hell does that happen? I mean, how does that happen, Barney? You know, that's, you know? that's BS. What kind of recruiter am I? <laughs> But we get in the car, and I said, what'd you think? You know, we did the campus tour, and he goes, Dad, they sh- you should never beat them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, you know what? Kiss my you little punk. <laughs> but, you know, they have a lot there. And, but I don't tell my guys that. I give them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I say, hey, look at this. All you want, nutrition bar, PB&J. <laughs> You know, they're doing double backflips because I don't show them. I don't let them leave the fiefdom. 
Bruce, we always appreciate your time, man. Best of luck on Saturday. Looking forward to the game. And, and congratulations. Your team has been uh, really actually very good this year. We've enjoyed watching them thus far. We'll certainly enjoy it on Saturday and always enjoy catching up with you, all right? No, I, I do. I, I thank you, and I, I think you'll enjoy why. That, I got a good team. I'll say that again. But hey, how many state troopers is Bobby going to have? I forgot to ask him. I don't know, 20, 23, yeah, is that right? For yeah. sure. Is that what he travels with? <laughs> Do they guard him, like, in the hotel when he's snoozing, or how does that work? I mean, he... he Just because he's a track guy, he never prote- played college football. Doesn't he need some... Prote- he doesn't need protection. He's you know, working out all the time. Right, right. He, yeah, right. but he's also a 400 runner. He's not necessarily a football guy. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. He, he's a track guy, right? He was. How yeah. can he be a team guy, then? That's not a team <laughs> Don't tell the you know? track people that, Barney. <laughs> I, I, I won't bleep it out. I, I want his team to hear that. You know? I want those players to start looking at him. Ah, you know, is Barney right about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Come infiltrate the Montana airwaves and introduce doubt. All right, one more, done. one more. Okay. I texted him yesterday because my kids... Are we over? I gotta cut no, this go ahead. Let her rip, Barney. What do we care? To your uh, show. <laughs> on our scouting report, yesterday is scouting report day. And I, we make our kid, our players, I call them book reports, but they have to report on the opponent's players. You know, they have to watch film and see how they are, yada, yada. And then they pick the dudes or the, what's it called, key players of the game, if you're being professional. And... So I, I, we don't know what they're coming up with. Then they turn on, they got Robbie on there. Robbie Hawk is one of the dudes. So I take a picture of it and send it to, you know, the mighty Hawk. And he writes back, he says, yeah, he said, because I said, this is better than a big sky, you know, all conference. I said, he just made Portland State dude board. <laughs> so he writes back, he says, yeah, but we let him off the, get off the bus last because he's so small <laughs> and i said you know what that's what the guy said it's his only issue is his only negative is he looks like his dad <laughs> i got him i pushed the button he said i'm a tough son of a bitch <laughs> settle down buddy. i got you again big old button how <laughs> Barney, have a great rest of the afternoon man a great week we'll see you on saturday okay? all right travel safe Bruce Barnum, head coach of the Portland State Vikings, the best. Boys and girls, we archive this for moments like that. To tell Nuanas podcast, go listen to it. Chris Chitavinsky, the head coach of the now officially regular season champion Montana women's soccer team. He's the subject of our ESPN roundtable right after this. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, 
Visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel. ESPN Sports Center. Here's some news for you. For the first time since 2014, the Montana volleyball team walked into Bozeman and came away with a win, playing a Montana State team tied for third in the Big Sky Conference. The Grizzlies were dominant, earning a 3-1 win Tuesday night. The Grizzlies have now won back-to-back matches for the first time this season. They are 2-0 to begin the second half of Big Sky Conference play. The Lady Grizz needed uh, a Taylor Galagoski three-pointer with 40 seconds remaining in regulation to force overtime before holding on for a 74 win, uh, 74-70 win over Carroll College in overtime Tuesday night. In the final exhibition game of the season for Montana, the Saints ripped off to an 11-0 run and closed the first quarter up 22-14. Galagasi's shot gave her 10 points, while McKenzie Johnson also helped rally by scoring 19 points and dishing out 8 assists. Montana will open the regular season against MSU Northern Tuesday, November 5th. That's at 11.30 a.m. in the third annual Lady Grizz School Day game. And finally, Game 7 tonight as the Washington Nationals get a 7-2 win in Game 6 yesterday over Houston, a wild night that includes Included the ejection of Nats manager Dave Martinez for arguing a controversial interference call in the seventh inning. Steven Strasburg was superb for the Nats last night. He allowed two runs in the first inning, but then went eight and a third. Did not allow another run after that. Game seven tonight, Zach Grinke for the Strohs. Max Scherzer for the Nats. First pitch, 608, right here on ESPN Radio. It is time for our ESPN Roundtable. It's Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy and online at KurtzPolaris.com. ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls. And the subject this week, Chris Chitavitsky. He is the head coach of the women's soccer team at the University of Montana in his second year. The the soccer team won the Big Sky Conference Tournament last year, went to the NC2A Tournament. And I can tell you, just uh, in breaking news in the last hour or so, Montana has just beaten Eastern Washington in the last game of the regular season, a game that was rescheduled due to weather. One nothing over Eastern Washington. That game was for the regular season conference uh, uh, crown. And so the Montana soccer team is now the Big Sky uh, regular season champions. They head into November 8th uh, into Greeley, Colorado for the Big Sky tournament. So congratulations to them. This is our conversation from uh, a couple days ago for the roundtable. So this was leading into the game that is just now completed uh, with Chris Chitavitsky. Please enjoy. Well, happy to be joined in this week's ESPN Roundtable, or rather to join, since we are in the man's office, the head coach of the women's soccer team at the University of Montana, Chris Chitavisky. Chris, thanks so much for having us. How are you? Good. Very happy to be here. Well, we're certainly happy to be here as well, and I think, um, you know, we're on ESPN Radio here, so, you know, okay, you're talking to the soccer coach and you get some of the soccer news, and we're going to go through all that stuff, but I think people will be so interested to hear your story, because you have such an interesting passion and life history that's brought you to the University of Montana and to uh, to be the head coach here. But let's start with the very present. When this airs, which will be Wednesday, you will be playing in what is a de facto
facto Big Sky regular season championship game against Eastern Washington, a game that was postponed because of snow in September, oddly enough, to now in uh, in November, and you're playing for the top spot. What's this like? It's kind of a weird thing to be playing in a game that's that's has such major ramifications with it. Yeah, especially right before playoffs, right? But um, it's it's exactly the spot that you want to be in if you're going to be a competitive program, right? You want to be competing for championships, so here we are. You come to Montana from the University of North Dakota, so you had a little bit of familiarity with the league, but what's this last two years been like just learning the league in general? Yeah, um, it's been interesting seeing it from the inside. Uh, I think it's... It's good. It's very competitive across the board. Teams might not do well in non-conference, but all of a sudden they just turn it on, and we got so many competitive teams that we're up against right now. And you look at playoffs, and it's just there's not a single easy game. Plus, everybody wants to beat Montana, so everybody gives us their best every day. Undefeated in conference, 5-0-3, I think, yeah. uh, right now. Did you anticipate being this good, you know, here in just your second year? And, again, no seniors on the team. Remarkable. You guys you guys have been outstanding. Yeah, especially with no seniors. I thought this would be happening next year. But for them to click this early and be playing so well and so much pressure being on the younger players and they just take it on and they're doing a good job. So, yeah, I'm very impressed. What have been the key factors? What, what have you guys done well from a chemistry standpoint, from a team standpoint? Um, I actually met with Mel. We were driving over to a GSA event over the summer, right, our softball coach. And we're just driving along, and I asked her how it was last year for softball. And she says, we had a team that was made up almost 50% new kids, 50% returners. We graduated all of our leaders. And it took us a while because our focus was on the softball as opposed to building the chemistry. So it took us a while. Once the chemistry was ready, then we played better. And I took that advice, and that, hence that was the emphasis right off the bat. The soccer is going to come, but we have to come together first and foremost as a team. And if we can do that early, the success will come with it. How do you do that? It seems like sort of such a, a, yeah. a, a difficult thing to sort of quantify. Yeah, uh, recruit the right people. So every time we have somebody on campus, the final say comes down to the players, ultimately. It's, do you like her? Does she fit in? Is she one of us? If they say yes, then it's great. We just had some kids on campus. It's the perfect people. They fit us to a T. And as soon as they start committing, it's great because, you know, the program is going to be good because we're recruiting the right people. They're going to make our culture better. And we share our values right off the bat so people understand what they're walking into. And we recruit the right families, the right kids, and just put them in the environment and watch it grow. What are, what are some of those values? Oh, uh, we talk about passion, we talk about hard work, we talk about persistence. Um, A big one for us is family and just being there for each other. Uh, Just having deep, real relationships, not this utopian stuff, because our program, I feel like you can read a lot of things in a book, but our program is very real. It's very honest, and it's when things aren't going well, how do you respond in that moment? And those are the things that we try to teach and talk about all the time. Like we had a little snafu on the field uh, against Northern Colorado over the weekend, two players having to go at each other. So we have to have that meeting today. Rather than ignoring it, we just got to talk about, all right, it's the first time somebody scored on us in a long time, and it led to pressure, and you guys had a moment in the heat of a moment, right? And it's how are we supposed to deal with that as people as opposed to just saying, oh, it'll be fine and sweeping it under the rug because that creates the cracks in the background that destroy the culture ultimately. So we'll address it. It's so interesting because I don't know if I've ever heard a coach say the players are the ones, the current players are the ones who are going to have, whether it's final say or major influence. I think a lot of coaches just go, yeah, you're good, you're going to be here, and we'll figure the rest out. How did you come to that conclusion to say, hey, this is the way I want to do it, is run the recruits through the team. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's we believe that better better people make better players, 
right? So first and foremost, it's a three-step process. I'm going to go out and watch you play. If I like you as a player, great, then I'm going to call you. If I like you personally on the phone and I feel like you're the type of person that I want to continue talking to, then I'll bring you onto campus. And at that point, we'll get to know them because we do all the meetings individually as well and take them out to lunch and dinner and get to know them as people and their families. And then they get run through the team. And I flat out tell them that when they sit here on the couch. It's, I know you're here evaluating us, but the team's evaluating you too. So at the end of this visit, I'll let you know how they feel about you as well. Well, we've already done two and three because here we're one and two because we're in the office. That's right. I'm, I, I question your ability to assess to soccer talent, you know, uh, if you got me in here. We talk about basketball so much on our show, and chemistry a huge portion of basketball. And I think soccer and basketball have a lot of parallels in terms of uh, not only just the movement, but also just the fact that you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to play with each other. In your mind, in, in the game of soccer, where, where does chemistry rank in terms of importance? Oh, it's it's huge. I, I was just having this discussion with Jay and Katie, my assistants, the other day. It's it, You've got to have the right people, but they also have to be fit. If you're not fit, you're not going to play well, right? And if you're not good technically, you're not going to win. So it's... For, for me, first and foremost, better players do make better play, uh, Better people make better players. So we'll recruit the people first, and then we challenge them to be as fit as they possibly can because you have to be able to run in D1 soccer. And then technically, we're very good at developing players. So, You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right, they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. Chris G. Davisca, joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. He's the head coach of the Montana women's soccer team. Just watching your guys' scores and, and reading the press releases every week and watching you guys play similar formula for success. Get a goal and then hold on to that lead. And you guys have been so good on defense. I think only two goals allowed in all of conference play. Claire Howard, she's been lights out. So many shutouts. I think she got her 25th in her career a couple, but maybe a week ago. So defensively, how have you guys been able to be so successful? No, that's just my main focus. I'm paranoid of being scored on. So <laughs> my assistants are offensive-minded, and for me, it's just this paranoia that something's going to happen to us. We talk about shape, defensive shape. Our terminology in the program is shape is God. This is your God. This is what you always go back to as our defensive shape. Before we start in Northern Colorado, it's I know you want to attack and do these things, but if our energy is right in our shape, our transition will be good because we get jacked on the sideline when we have big tackles and big headers, and that gives us the momentum to go forwards. So and every time I watch Travis for the men's basketball practice and I just see their energy and enthusiasm when they're defending and how he gets on them, that's what builds them as well. It, it, that's my personal belief. Defend well and you're going to play well. That's uh, one thing I did want to ask about because, you know, we're here in, in your office and you walk down the hall and you got track and field and you got men's and women's basketball, you got football. How much is there that synergy with the coaches and the, the different teams to sit there and go, man, look at what, well, look at what Travis is doing on the basketball floor. How can I pull something out of that? How much overlap is there? 
Oh, there's a lot. Um, it, it purely comes down to you as a coach and what you want to do, right? So my conversation with Mel completely changed our program and how we were going to try to emphasize the chemistry because I found out what happened to softball. And then the other day as we were leaving, I actually bumped into Travis in the hallway and said to him, we need to have a conversation of what it's like to my first time. I've always worked with underdogs, and I'm finally in a position now where we're starting to become a big dog. And so I need to have a talk with him of how do I handle that pressure? Because you're at the top all the time, and you're competing very well all the time. And what's that mentality like? Because it's very different than climbing to the top. I enjoy the climb to the top, and this is my first time in my experience being towards the top, and how do I fend everybody else off now that's trying to get up here? Sitting in this office, you look right here, and you have the, the champion's uh, banner from last year when you guys won the Big Sky Tournament to advance to the NCAA Tournament. That one itself was sort of a surprising run because it seemed as if you guys got better as the season went along and then really hit the hot streak when you got to the conference tournament. What was that experience like, and how did that set the table for this season? Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, it was nice to – I knew the goals were going to come sooner or later, but last year was just finding the right person in the right position and purely came down to Janessa Fowler playing through the middle for us because she held the ball up differently to Lex. Alexa Coyle does it well this year. She wasn't ready to be the focal point last year. So – it was Janessa, really, and then Lex playing off of her that created everything. And then the team behind it was solid. This year we can attack in many different ways, which is nice. Lex is doing her job, plus we have other players growing into roles. So we're, we're a different team, but the biggest part of last year was getting our, our butts handed to us in the NCAA tournament. Because there were changes that I wanted to make that after we won playoffs, I thought, ah, it's all right, we might be able to sit with this and keep rolling. But as soon as we got destroyed by Washington State, it was within 24 hours I was ready to change a lot of things and make us who we are now. Alexa Coyle last year was counted on to score goals more than anything. So what's that transition like when you become a little bit more of a, like you said, a centerpiece and a facilitator, as well as still being expected to score goals as well? Yeah. So Lex last year had the ambition of being the focal point of the team and was struggling with it at times. She'll tell you it herself. It was a career-changing moment for her. So she got benched. And she's finally starts, she's coming off the bench against Portland State, scores a game winner. Comes off the bench against Sacramento, scores our third goal in that game. And goes into playoffs and scores the winner against Weber and scores the winner against uh, UNC in the final. So turning point for Lex, and she's a much better player because of it. But now, guess what, Alexa? Now that you are the focal point, everybody knows you are. They're all trying to kick her, and they're trying to foul her, and they're doing everything that they can to stop her. So her next evolution is, how do I deal with that much pressure on me now? that everybody is coming on to me because they have to stop me. So that's what she's going to learn this spring. I want to talk about your history in the sport, but I want to talk first about your more recent history of just being a Division One head coach. You were a head coach the D3 level for quite some time, so you've been in that executive spot, if I can say it like that, but you come from North Dakota, and it's a different deal, I would think, being a head coach at the Division One level. What was it like to come through those doors, never having been at the University of Montana before? I know you've seen them play and so forth, but never having been here to be the man, the head coach of this, uh, of this soccer team. Yeah. Um, pressure? In a good way, it's exactly what I want. I just uh, I feel like the more pressure, the better the moment, right? So it's exactly what I wanted to be in a spot like this. It's the the fact that the position opened up blew my mind, and the connections that happened to lead me into it were just incredible. And it's just one of those things that was supposed to work out the way it did. And I just love this athletic department and this hallway and my administrators. It's just a great place to work. What did you think of the University of Montana job before you, you took it? Uh, so, yeah, when we were with North Dakota and came here to play, I fell in love with the place instantly, texted my wife. The next day when we were downtown, I went into a store and bought a magnet and hung it in the fridge at North Dakota and said, this is where I want to live one day. I just I just want to be there. 
and it, the position somehow opened up. But when I thought about it, I just fell in love with Missoula, first and foremost. And then going through the interview process, the questions that I had for the university were, I love everything about it, but where are we academically as an institution? Because I'm not bringing in somebody's daughter and giving them a piece of paper that doesn't mean anything in four years' time. So that was my goal coming in to be interviewed is how well is this place structured and can I actually sell it authentically and because I don't want to lie about anything right sure. so the seeing Seth Bardner's vision watching his process as he's getting interviewed and when he comes in and just getting to know him and seeing the changes that he wants to make it's like who doesn't want to be led by that guy right so he really sold me ultimately his vision even though we didn't meet face to face the more I heard about him and then meeting Gene and Kent and everybody here, it's like, yeah, of course I could sell this place. I mean, who couldn't? Chris Chitavisky joining us on the ESPN Roundtable, the head coach of the Montana women's soccer team. And uh, when you say you want to live in Missoula, it says something more than most people because you've lived everywhere on earth yeah. uh, up to this point. I, I remember the first couple of times that we talked or I'd hear, hear you speak, and I said, I just can't quite place the accent. And the reason is because it isn't a place. It's yes. everywhere. Yes. But you were born in Poland, but as a very young kid, uh, had to, your family had to go and ended up in Italy. Is that right? Yes. Tell, tell us about the early years of your life in Eastern and then Central Europe. Absolutely. So I was born in Poland in the early 80s when it was uh, a, a country that was run by a socialist and communist government at the time, right? So my, fam my mother is this university student and my father is a uh, soldier for the military. And we have, at, the, at one point, all the people of Poland are trying to overthrow the government because they just don't want to be run that way anymore. And so the military comes in and they just take over with martial law. So there's curfews on the street and there's food rationing, there's diaper rationing, there's everything you can ever imagine. They're just trying to completely suppress the people. And my dad is a, a military guy and my mother's a protester. So <laughs> you've got this beautiful thing going on there, right? And they say, after two years after my birth, they're like, well, we're getting out of here. So we escaped Poland and uh, we lived in a refugee camp in Italy for a year. And then after that, my dad's sister escapes Poland as well. And she says, I'm going to go to this beautiful place called South Africa. We were like, okay, cool, South Africa, 80s, it should be safe, right? Not even thinking about <laughs> racial tensions and whatnot. So you end up in this racially torn South Africa in the mid-80s. And so at that time, where my dad starts working with IBM. So life in terms of, you know, are we comfortable becomes relatively comfortable. But the, the racial tensions aren't very good, so we decide to leave. And the plan was to go to Canada because we ended up at the Canadian consulate over lunch hour. And I said, sure, we'll do the paperwork, but you got to come back in an hour. And so then we went next door to the Australian consulate, and they said, we'll do your paperwork now. And that's how we end up in Australia, just on a whim. So how old were you when you got to Australia ultimately? Mm, Ten years old, nine years old, yeah. Now, I know that I'm asking you a history that uh, at this point that you probably don't have an actual recollection of, but leaving Poland when it's a social communist country is that you don't just get in the car and drive off, right? So how how was your family, your parents able to, to get to Italy and into a refugee camp? Yeah, my mother and grandmother took me on a vacation to Italy, and my dad joined us a few weeks later. The rule at the time was if you were going to leave, you had to leave something behind, so you would come back. So... That's why my dad stayed behind, and he ended up escaping as well. But, yeah, I was wanted for mandatory military service until the age of 26 by Poland. So every time I went back, it was just for a couple of weeks, because if I showed up in the system that I came in with my Polish passport, I could be thrown in jail for skipping it. Remarkable. Uh, Do you have any recollection of the, those early years and the strife that was going on in Poland? Or where does your memory first begin? Uh, South Africa. Yeah. yeah. A couple things that I think are in Italy, but I, I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, uh, South Africa is a place that I know and love well, and I know that you were still young, like you said, maybe 9 or 10 when, when you left there. But what do you remember about being in South Africa just outside of Johannesburg? Oh, going to school, learning karate for some reason. <laughs> right? That's one of my Those main memories. that stand yeah. out, right? The yeah. karate lessons. Exactly. <laughs> karate lessons. And when did you start getting into soccer? Was it in Australia or was it before that? Yeah, it was uh, with my dad in South Africa. We would just play a lot together. And so this model that everybody has, of, I get emails from kids all the time. I've been playing soccer since I was three. Okay, I started competitively at like the age of 10 and was playing semi-professionally by the age of 16. So <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do it from from the cradle in order to be good at it, right? Exactly, yeah. When you went to Australia, how long were you there? And, and you, as you alluded to, you started playing semi-professionally. In fact, it actually maybe backfired a little bit when you got to the States and tried to play college soccer as well. But what was your time there like, and, and, and why were you able to excel so much in the sport, do you think? I, I don't know. It's just been in my blood. It's just, um, I well... I guess I could put it back to my own mindset if I want to do something. Like, my entire childhood in Australia is I just remember being in the driveway juggling a ball. And I'd make my parents pull the car out and park it across the driveway so I could shoot free kicks over the car and try to hit the garage, right? And smash windows that were above the garage all the time. But that's just, that's all I ever wanted to do was play soccer. I would be outside every day, recess, lunch, after school, in the morning, juggling, just getting better, getting better, getting better. That's all I wanted to do. What about the game drew you in? No idea. Um, I did, again, I remember watching World Cup Italian 90 with my dad. Those were my first memories of watching soccer, just on the couch. And it's just, I don't know, I was good at it. And I think that's what drew me into it. Yeah. Soccer is such a huge deal internationally. It's becoming more of a huge deal in America, certainly. But how, would you th- how much do you think that influenced you, living in countries that really do have strong soccer cultures? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my dad was the biggest influence on it. He was about to referee his first professional game at the highest level in Poland, mm. like weeks after we had left and escaped, right? So it's been in his blood forever. Um, the story has it when I was in my mother's womb and she's like eight months pregnant. They're at a professional game at Lech Poznań watching it, and there's a shot they're sitting behind the goal, and it's going right at her. And the friend that was sitting with us like dives in front of her and saves my life because I was in her stomach. Mm. And so, yeah, the romantic stories, I could have died right there at a soccer game, right? Right. <laughs> Before I was even born. But, yeah, it's always just being there in the family for us. It's just something we do. And myself as a player, why I got into coaching is I just even remember being 16 years old, playing with all the guys and just having a vision and a sense for the game and a, hey, you should be over here, you should be doing this. It just came to me, yeah. Even, even if you don't have definitive memories of sort of those turbulent times at the end of your life. Obviously, your parents remember it vividly, I'm sure, and that probably influenced just the way that they raised you and stuff. So, I mean, what sort of impact do you think it had on your life, even if you don't remember those times in Poland and Italy? Oh, massive. Um, the, the way I run the program here as a family-orientated program is purely because we moved around so much. Our family scattered all over Europe because of the communism. Um, I remember <laughs> growing up is my mother, my father, myself, and then my brother by the time we got to Australia. And it's just, I'd watch these movies like a Home Alone, and you see the scenes at the beginning with that giant, dysfunctional, beautiful family, the, the all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles, and then you just see it. At, at the end, everybody comes back to Kevin, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's, I just, I longed for that my entire life, my entire existence. I just wanted a ginormous family to be around. And that's why I run the program the way I run it. It's just a giant family. It's very dysfunctional. If you watch us eat, it's beautiful. 
a lot of families that work well together are not all that fun to watch eat, but certainly the uh, the Montana women's soccer team is a family. He's built it that way. And, again, congratulations, because since that interview took place, they have taken their spot atop the roost in the Big Sky Conference, winning today again one nothing over Eastern Washington to become the Big Sky Conference regular season champions as they head into the tournament next week in Greeley, Colorado. Our thanks to Chris Chitovitsky for joining us. Again, the head coach of that women's team in his second year. An awesome story. Great guy to talk to. How about that, huh? Following the miracle around the world and uh, the inspiration drawn there and uh, uh, and uh, doing a great job for uh, for the women's soccer team, no doubt. The ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, near the corner of the intersection of Brooks and Reserve. A great place on the south end of town to uh, enjoy an evening. Got a great lounge, great bar area, great restaurant. Bring the family in there. Plenty of televisions all hooked up to ESPN3. You can watch any game that you would like to. They have 18 rotating beer tap handles, a great late happy hour, a new menu, and an awesome place just in general to uh, enjoy and to visit. It's been around a long time. Maybe you haven't been in a while. If you haven't been in a while or haven't been in at all, go now. Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls is Missoula's coolest hot spot. Game 7, the World Series, coming up right after this. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. I want to remind you, we'll have the FCS Speculators podcast out as well uh, this evening, so you can check that out uh, as well uh, heading into the weekend FCS Football Big Sky in particular at its best there on the FCS Speculators podcast. The World Series coming up last night. What a game. Steven Strasburg goes eight and a third innings, gives up two runs in that first inning, and uh, when he got back to the dugout was tipped by one of his coaches that he was tipping pitches inadvertently, of course, uh, to the other team. He started to shake his glove, cover up what he was doing with his hand. I don't know what, all the intricacies of it, but clearly that was real because he addressed it after the game, said that that was a big deal, and then went out there and just dealt for seven and a third uh, shutout innings in game six of the World Series and obviously a survival game for the Nationals, and it delivers to us the greatest thing that we could possibly get, which is a game seven. Here's uh, Anthony Rendon, who had that huge, massive two-run home run in the seventh inning to make it take it from a 3-2 lead to a 5-2 lead uh, after all the controversy, which we'll talk about in a moment. Here's him talking about his starting pitcher from last night, Steven Strasburg. Oh, man, super impressed by him, uh, but not shocked, you know, to say the least. I've been watching him for a long time now, and he's had plenty of games like that. I think it's just been heightened since he's doing it in the postseason now, especially in 
the the run that we're on for everyone else to appreciate what he what he has in the tank and what he has accomplished i think now everyone's maybe noticing what he what he can do tell you what strasburg was at his best in the moment when it was needed that's what separates some level of greatness out i mean he he uh, let's put it like this justin verlander unquestionably the better of these two over the course of their career uh, and even over the course of the regular season but when it came time to get right down to it, it was Strasburg who had it. And and uh, and Verlander, by the way, was not bad last night, but he wasn't great. Strasburg was great, and it was uh, remarkable to watch him go and do what he did. And now tonight, we get the matchup that we've been waiting for with Zach Greinke uh, on one hand and Max Scherzer on the other. Now, I realize Greinke, probably the number three guy, but it's a team that's got three aces. So, you know, take your pick. You want to go Garrett Cole, you want to go Justin Verlander, you want to go Zach Greinke, and then the dude for the Washington Nationals, Max Scherzer. When he couldn't go in game five, I said this earlier, I was absolutely uh, jaw-dropped. I mean, nonplussed that he was not able to go in game five of all of the guys. He has, uh, you know, the, 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 the most overt, competitive ace-like, give-me-the-baseball mentality that you could imagine. And in, a, in the last home game of a World Series, for him not to go was stunning to me. And we find, you know, after the fact of just how much pain he was in and what he was dealing with, for him to be ready to go tonight is actually something of a mini miracle. But how about that for Nats fans? That what he what he couldn't accomplish in Game Five? Who do you have on the mound? The guy you would absolutely want to give the baseball to, and Max Scherzer for Game Seven. Here he is talking about it. What you look for? So uh, for me, I need to get him. I'm in my you know pregame routine right now, and that's where I'm just at. Anyway, here we go. There you go. Pretty uh, pretty businesslike. He's not going to spend a lot of time answering questions today. No, not until after the game, and uh, and probably only if it's a win for Washington. Right now, you're going to get a lot of short sound bites from Max Scherzer. Scherzer, Jose Altuve, he has been sensational this entire postseason, this entire season. I mean, I love watching Altuve play. They obviously won the World Series two years ago, 2017. Here he is on what it would mean to win a second one. Means a lot, you know, because the first one didn't know how to react. It was it was like a dream come true. Now we know. Now we we know is is big for the city. It's big for us, and that's the reason why we want to go out there and, and make it happen again. So there you go. Uh, the uh, seventh game of the World Series. In game six, so much has been made of the controversy that took place, the judgment call of the umpire uh, to call out uh, Turner on on what appeared to be a hit and an error that moved him to second and a base runner to third. It would have been second and third, no outs. He gets called out uh, by the uh, home plate umpire for interference. Now, let's be clear on what he was not called out for. He, he did run on the grass for about four steps on the infield, heading for from the batter's box. Now he's a right-handed batter, so he's already, the angle is on the inside of that first base line, and the swing kind of brings him through, uh, and and he's able to, uh, uh, you know, run up. Uh, he ran th- more or less straight towards the bag, but it still took him on the infield grass. But that was not the issue. That's not what he was called out for. It was certainly not interference with the throw itself. Trey Turner was called out because he hit, the glove of uh, you know the first baseman, which you know allowed the ball to go by, and him to then to take second on what was initially or perceptibly an error. Was it interference or not? Was he doing something that was intentionally either either by leaning into it, which clearly that wasn't the case, or by taking a line that he didn't need to take to 
make the first baseman struggle to make the catch. And, and actually, I mean, he obviously did impede the catch. I mean, there's no question of what he did running into the mitt. The question is, was it his fault or his intent to do so? Um, I think it's kind of a toss-up. You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think he ran in a pretty straight line. I know that just about everybody has come down on the side of that's a bad call. Uh, I come down on the side of it is a judgment call. He took the glove out of the first baseman's hand, and it's kind of a 50-50 one. And people talk about, do you want to call that in that spot, especially with how much it could have possibly meant when you talk about two base runners, first and third, no out? Maybe not. But also, guess what it did? It created an absolute melee, a four-minute-plus delay while they have the rule reread to them from New York, while they don't disallow a game under protest by Washington as a result of it being, in fact, a judgment call, which you cannot protest. And what happened? Pitcher gets cold. Rendon, he gets warm, gets up there, and yanks a two-run shot out. And as it says, they say, all's well that ends well, at least for the Washington Nationals. It all ends well for me because we get a game seven, and I can't wait. 6.08, the first pitch on this thing, and we obviously will have it for you, uh, well, coming up in just about a minute from now. Game seven, is there anything better than that? The one thing I'm going to be looking for tonight, I think everybody will be looking for, how does Max Scherzer look physically? He could not even get dressed, couldn't get out of bed three nights ago in Washington, D.C. for what was going to be the biggest game of his life. This will be the biggest game of his life. And is he going to be able to be loose enough to do what he does? But we know that he's a competitor, he's a beast, and by the way, the road team, 6-0. and Can you make it a clean sweep for the roadies? We'll find out soon enough, but there's nothing more fun than this. Enjoy Game 7, boys and girls. Thanks for being with us. It's Tutel and Nuanas on ESPN Radio. Check out the FCS Speculators podcast. Going to be out a little later on today. And we uh, appreciate you all being with us. We'll be back on Thursday. Talk about what happened in Game 7. Continue to get you set for the college football weekend. Good night. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.